What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge. We're back. Feels good. Yep, back. Post-match week two here. We got some uh, action to take to you guys. It's good to be back, isn't it, Jack? Honestly, it's great. Um, the results over the first two weeks have been extremely disappointing from a footballing standpoint. Um, at, like, obviously, from a homer standpoint, Villa Palace struggling early on. But, it, I mean, honestly, we have some regular football. I feel good. Um, every Saturday is the same. Waking up at, you know, 8 a.m. watching football. So it's uh, the season's kind of taking flight here. Yeah, did you do anything fun last weekend? Did you have any uh, good experiences? I haven't really had a chance to talk to you the last few days here. Um, I, I, like in Chicago, I woke up pretty early uh, Saturday morning and watched uh, Villa play. Woke up like probably five minutes into the start of the game. That's the worst, too, because like, you know, I'll, I'll talk to everybody about how they're going to wake up in Detroit at nine, and then turns out I have to wake up at eight to watch Villa because I just figured about the time change. I don't know why. Um, and I woke up and, and Villa had already conceded once and then they conceded again when I woke up so it was in a really bad mood, we were 2-0 no, no, no down um, and then I woke up and watched Palace on Sunday and Palace were miserable so um, I've been watching a few of the games at home, especially with how negative it is, uh, or how the results haven't been good, but I mean, there's, there's honestly not that many places to watch football in Chicago, there's like three bars that you could go to if you really wanted to, you know yeah, well, you're really bad at waking up on time, so I'm really surprised. <laughs> I've uh, been playing catch-up because I was camping over the weekend, so I actually couldn't really watch any of the games live until Monday, which was a lot of fun, but I was, like, I had the itch all weekend. I kept trying to check my phone, get score updates, this and that, and I had, like, no service at all, so it was really tough for me, especially this early in the year, but kind of spent some time, you know, out with nature, and that was pretty exciting, too. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a... Get some good grass circles going on in the middle of the pitch. Um, good bonfires, you know. We actually kicked the footy ball around a little bit out there too, so it was a good weekend. But you know, this weekend I'll be able to, to post up a little bit more, catch some more live action, which I'm excited for definitely. Premier League on NBC. Um, all right, so what we're going to be covering this week? We're going to be talking a little bit about some takeaways from last weekend. Who impressed? Who flopped? Um, you know, there's a lot of action at the the Man City Spurs game, so we'll be talking about that a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about Manchester United as well. I feel like we always end up talking about Manchester United, but we will on this pod nonetheless. Um, then also dive into a little bit of uh, some of the lower league football action. Um, Bury, who is uh, the uh, a lower league team who my grandparents support, have some interesting financial uh, crippling action going on right now. And then I have criv- uh, trivia that I'm going to be quizzing Tris. Quizzing Tris, Tris, Quiz, Alan, Juan. Um, yeah, I'm hitting uh, Chris with trivia basically, and he's awful, so he needs it. Um, then we talk about the predictor app, as always, um, and giving you the code to get in our predictor league. Uh, last week, something pretty embarrassing happened where I basically went through all this work to set up the predictor league, and like we talked about it in the pod. I like got a bunch of people from work in, texted a bunch of people, um, and then I made a bunch of picks on the app. And because I made the league, I made my picks before I made the league. And uh, so in this big NBC pool of thirty, I think we had what thirty six people last week, Chris. I think we had. I think we had thirty three before the pick slot or something like that. Got it. Thirty four or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So everyone got in the pool, and uh, I actually didn't make any picks. Yeah, pretty embarrassing. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more detail later on about what the standings and leaderboard look like. So I'm sure people are kind of dying to get an update on that. Yeah, I don't really think people give a fuck, but, you well, know. Well, I mean, you're going to have some catch-up, apparently. Uh, but it's, it'd be nice to know that the league creator and 
the co-host of my pod is actually submitting picks the first week. We're trying to, you know, push a new thing here, but I guess, you know, whatever. Maybe I can find a new partner if, if we miss again this week, huh? All right, so uh, pivoting back to the first part of the pod, Chris. Takeaways, okay. takeaways, takeaways from last weekend. Who impressed? Who flopped? Would you like to see this weekend? Like, would, would you know when you were watching or when you watched the replays when you came back? What do you like? Yeah, so like I said, I didn't get to watch a whole lot live, but I did catch some extended highlights here. Basically, all the matches I've watched the last couple of days. Um, I think the the biggest teams that impressed were a couple of the newly promoted teams, specifically Norwich. Uh, if you didn't realize, it was the weekend of Timo Pukki, and he got his first uh, hat-trick and, uh, for Norwich, and I think it was their first hat-trick in like 25 years for the club in the Premier League. His first goal was an absolute stunner of a volley. They won 3-1 against Newcastle, uh, and he absolutely shredded. I know they had a tough matchup week one against Liverpool, so it was really interesting to see them come out and just dominate and they didn't really make a lot of moves this summer. We kind of talked about that. Yeah. But they look pretty primed to be in a good spot here. So I think they were probably the biggest winners of the week for me. I also, you can talk about Liverpool and Arsenal uh, being top of the table with six points at the East. But, you know, they, they didn't have huge wins against uh, some smaller clubs. So I think Norwich were the biggest winners for me. What do you think? Um, I mean, looking at the results, uh, I don't know. It's difficult because... Agreed. I think Norwich played really well. Uh, Timo Pukki looked really impressive. His volley on the first goal was, you know, I- insane. Um, but I also look at, you know, the other other promoted team, Sheffield United, who played a uh, Crystal Palace team at home, looked really difficult to play against. Um, those kind of outside center backs that they play with. Um, you know, O'Connell had an assist on one of the goals Sheffield United had. So um, it was it was a good performance from them. Um, but then there were also two one one draws. I was I were really entertaining matches. Um, the the Chelsea Leicester game one one. Um, Chelsea was all over Leicester for the first fifteen minutes. Could have scored four or five goals. Um, then Leicester kind of dominated the, the the second half. Um, and so that was a, a really interesting you know kind of tale of two halves. A little dichotomy of performances between those two teams. Um, and then also the Wolves Man- Manchester United game. Uh, an absolute screamer curling effort from the edge of the box from Ruben Neves and we've seen him do that before um, love to see him take some shots on the outside and then also um, you know Anthony Martial uh, banging one in off a Rashford assist it, it seems like man you can score goals this season it seems like that that young cohort um, against a really good defensive wolf side um, you know found some opportunities to score so some good one-one draws. Um, I also thought, like, to give some credit to, um, you know, to 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 Liverpool uh, or to the Liverpool Southampton match. Southampton. I mean, I was picking them to get trounced after that opening opening week three 0 defeat, and they played Liverpool really, really well. Um, and you know, I've I watched that game all the way back, um, and watched, you know, uh, watched Southampton actually take some decent chances in that game, and you know, I think. Yeah, Liverpool deserve to win, but I, I want to give Southampton, although they're at zero points through two games, much like Villa, I kind of feel similarly about Villa and Southampton, where I feel like the results will go their way because they're playing good football. So, um, you know. I mean, well, I, I guess when it comes down to the the two one result there, Southampton's goal was a little bit of a um, a fluke goal. Adrian made a terrible pass out, and, and which is hilarious. Added, yeah. Added it in. Yeah, it is interesting that Adrian, you know, uh, messed up there. He he was finer than that, obviously, but that was a pretty mistake. And there's still like ten minutes left in the match after that where they could have gotten another one to equalize. So that was interesting. But I, the one thing I will say about that match too is 
Liverpool getting Sadio Mane back in the starting lineup, he was electric. And he is, I mean, on, on his best day, he's just as good as Mo Salah, I think. He scored a great goal, had another assist to Firmino, so he was really, really good to have, to have him back in the lineup for them. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, like, overall, I thought, you know, I thought... Um, wasn't any crazy results this weekend. I think uh, City losing, like, you know, dropping points to Spurs is something that is going to hurt them potentially in the long run. Uh, we talked about it being a tight game. I thought it might be a game that City ekes out 1 0. You, you know, you actually predicted this game correctly, I think, right? In the predictor last I did. Week. I got it on the dot. Yeah, I picked 2 2. I said that they were going to be in trouble by dropping points and uh, losing points on Liverpool, and I got that one right. Um, I don't know. I, I think that Spurs are going to be competitive with them. City are not like in their midseason form at this point. Obviously, they're very talented, and really, when it comes down to it, they probably should have won uh, based off of the disallowed goal at the end. But I think Spurs are really competitive this year, so I got that one right on the dot. Um, and that was obviously the marquee match for the weekend. We have another big one coming up this weekend. But other than that, like, there's not a whole lot of notable matches that came out of the weekend. I, I will say. Um, I got to watch the United Wolves match from start to finish, and uh, despite the result, I was pretty impressed with both teams. I thought that uh, Adama Traore came on for Wolves at halftime. Uh, Matt Doherty picked up a knock and he got subbed off, and Traore totally changed that match. But at the same time, looking at Rashford, uh, Martial, and Daniel James actually played pretty well too. I think that they have a lot of good young players going forward, and if they mesh really well, United are going to be pretty good this year. So that was a really, really entertaining game to watch. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, like we kind of talked about, you know, it's really early in the season, so we'll see how these results start to come together. Uh, it's kind of hard, based off of this week, to make any, like, really, really bold claims, I think, about any of these teams. But at the same time, we saw some pretty entertaining football in some of these matches. Yeah, so so let's uh, let's actually talk about a little bit about the um, the United Wolves game. Then we'll jump back to City Spurs. Um, okay. I think that obviously there's a lot of debate. Um, the Neville's came out this week. Uh, Phil Neville came out and talked about how he you know he thinks there's some uh, a lack of leadership in the Manchester United dressing room. Talking about how Rashford should have taken the penalty he scored. Marcus Rashford scored an emphatic penalty in the first uh, the first week of the season. Put it in top corner. He's actually never missed a Premier League penalty. Um, and then against Wolves, Pogba drew a penalty, took it, missed it, um, and then the game ended one one. And so there's been a lot of backlash both socially and also, you know, uh, I guess internally within the club because people are challenging Manchester United publicly. Um, they got talked about, they got asked multiple times in press conferences. People were asking Rashford, like, hey, uh, why didn't you take it? Why did Pogba take it? Um, you know, what, you know, are you guys in, in a fight? Things like that. And it, it seems to me that everything in, internal of Manchester United is actually okay. It seems to me that, like, there wasn't some big bust up, but... Um, Obviously, there's a very different scene on Twitter, and a lot of fans were tweeting, you know, abuse at Pogba, saying you shouldn't have taken it, and Rashford should have taken it, and so a little bit of unrest early on in Manchester United season, which of course is, you know, exactly what they need. And I guess one of the things that happens when one of your, when you know, you're one of the biggest clubs in the world, you know. Yeah. So I think, I mean, when I watched the match, I, you know, Pogba drew the penalty. I have Rashford on my fantasy team. I wanted him to take it. But there was no like discussion or debate between them. It seemed like they knew that Pogba was going to be taking it. So my guess is that hey, Pogba drew it. They had an agreement that if he drew the penalty, he was going to be able to take it. 
he really took it decently well too. He had a lot of power on it. It was a good save from Rui Patricio. But ultimately, um, you know, Pogba was upset after it, but I don't think that it caused any, um, you know, any like unrest or uh, like rifts between the players at all. They all seemed fine with Pogba, and I think that that's important because they're gonna have to kind of rally behind him. Right, I, and and it also worth, is worth noting that in the you know in the first week when Rashford uh, took the penalty, he also drew the penalty as well. So you know, in both instances, the player who drew the penalty is one who took it. You know. Yeah, so I mean, at this point, it'll be interesting when they get another penalty. It'll be something that everyone's keeping an eye on. I, I right. think it'll probably go back to Rashford, but again, like Pogba didn't take it badly. Rashford did bang his in uh, earlier in week one, but um, ultimately, like they probably should have come out and gotten points there, but. Wolves played well enough to get a point as well. It's just it's, it's, everyone's gonna point fingers at someone missing a penalty when you uh, draw. You know you miss out the, the chance of three points there. So right, and that, but that also factors into or kind of plays in nicely to the whole other, you know, realm of social and political debate that happened after that game, which is, you know, uh, after the game, immediately after the game, Paul Pogba received apparently a lot of racial abuse on Instagram and Twitter directly, you know, DMs, tweets at him, um, obviously calling him terrible things. And, you know, Harry Maguire tweeted about it afterwards, couple players, like, Wilfred Zaha's talked about this a few times, but this was, I mean, this was, I feel like, the first time that, I mean, Zaha's gotten a, a bit of national attention in England about receiving racial abuse week in, week out from op- opposing teams or opposing players, but this was uh, apparently other Man U fans were giving their own player, like Manchester United fans were racially abu- abu- oh, abusing was, their yeah, own player. I actually went through a couple of tweets and looked through replies. And really? And even on, like, the tweets about, like, Harry Maguire tweets or tweets about the racism and, and things like that, there's still people that are, you know, saying really, really bad things and still talking about how, I mean, they're throwing Pogba under the bus. It's like, guys, like, this is probably your best player. Um, it's the second week of the season. Ultimately, like, it just, I don't want to, like, totally throw all United fans in one bucket, but it, it's kind of like with these big clubs sometimes, they're just so quick to jump at players, whether not necessarily the racism, but just, like, the pressure that they're putting on people or, like, the negative uh, comments towards someone that is going to be a key player for them. And, like, again, it's not like he skied it over the bar or something. Like, it was a pretty well taken penalty. Um, I think the fact that. Rashford had taken one the week before and made it, made it a lot worse because they had already kind of thought, okay, Rashford might be our guy taking penalties now. So that made it, I think, a lot worse. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's, it's really bad to see. And it's really interesting. So McGuire basically was tweeting that, um, you know, like people on Twitter should have to uh, show like an identification or a passport or something before they can even create an account because there's too many people with fake accounts and duplicates and. Yeah. things like that shout out Kevin Durant um, Phil Neville the manager for the uh, women's English team he basically said that like they should call for a, a football wide ban of social media until they fix this and then the club is now meeting with Twitter to kind of discuss some of this hateful speech it's just kind of like when it you know it's happened with Saha but now that it's coming up with a big club like United they're taking it to a whole other level which is a good thing like they need to address it but it's just kind of shows how 
uh, ridiculous some of these fans are, but yeah, I don't much else to say about it. No, I mean it, it, it's super disheartening because like you know, the, the idea is you get a lot of people behind keyboards or behind you know their their Twitter on their phone. They say things to some of these players, whether they you know whether they're drunk at a mat you know after the match or they you know think that they can they feel empowered um, or for whatever reason they have their own issues going on they, they say things to players on Twitter and um, you know it, it's obviously not okay it's not like a federal crime um, to, to type a racist statement to somebody and send it to them it's just like really really fucked up um, and so there's like a weird thing of like how do clubs regulate that how do social media outlets regulate that um, and so, you know, Harry Maguire's a couple of suggestions, but there, I mean, there's so many people out there who have Twitters or social media accounts that aren't necessarily reflective of, you know, who they are, you know, are, we even just goes to show to, uh, Instagram and Twitter, by the way, I follow us on Instagram, we're, we're just on there, but like Chris and I didn't have to show a, you know, show a passport to make that account. Right. And, um, the verification process was really easy. Obviously we just made the account and put a bio in and posted one photo. So, um, it's tough. It's like how do you maintain that accessibility while also preventing, you know, some of the extremism that, that comes out on the sites because people feel, you know, unregulated and they can say whatever they want. Um, and that was really disappointing. Wilfred Zaha has been talking about this for years, so um, I'm happy that other players are kind of coming coming forward. And um, although it's a after a bad situation like the missed penalty, it, it's good that it's being talked about. I guess you know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's being talked about because there was an incident that was really messed up with it, but uh, at least people are aware of it because it is something that's been happening for a while, and now it's right. just kind of got that, that bigger stage or audience. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, let's pivot back to the, the City Spurs game. Yeah. You know, we, we touched on it, but I wanted to get into one or two things related to the end of the match. So, uh, towards the end, Sergio Aguero got subbed off for Gabriel Jesus. Tied 2 2 at the time, and there's a video. Um, Rebecca Lowe actually, I was watching, she has like a little post uh, post match thing she calls the lowdown, where she does this video and like does a recap and answers questions. It's pretty good, you should check it out. But um, she was talking about this, and Aguero got subbed off and was pretty livid. And I don't know what him and Pep were arguing about, but they got like right up on the touchline there. And Aguero's getting this face yelling at him, Pep's dishing it back to him, uh, and Aguero kind of storms off after getting subbed off. Then uh, Jesus scores. Aguero and Pep are kind of like hugging it out actually at that point. He scores what looks like to be the winner in the two minutes into injury time, only for that goal to be called off because of a handball from Laporte that was very inadvertent and accidental, but again with the new rule it's any type of handball they're going to call it back so there was just this madness here at the end of the match so I guess the two things I wanted to get your take on are any thoughts on the VAR decision and also is this Aguero pep you know bust up here something that City fans should be aware of or is it something like more than that where hey you know you think Aguero is starting to feel threatened by Zeus or all these other attackers this is time at City kind of starting to get towards um, you know that towards the end of it I don't think like he's going to be transferred out in January or anything like that but I guess what are your overall thoughts on the end of the match here so I'll, I'll address the second point first um, and I said this last season that I thought that I think that Aguero's time is coming to an end at Man City and I maintain you know I, I kind of maintain that opinion 
Um, I don't think Aguero has three, four, five, you know, five years left of Man City. You know, goal scoring years. He's been a, a, an absurdly positive player for them. Scored so many goals. Um, you know, been there, been there throughout. But like, I don't like. We I talked about last season. One of the sales I would make for for high value would be selling Aguero um, at the end of the season or selling him in January. And they didn't do that. Obviously, Aguero went on to score quite a few key goals for the team at the end of the season. But I think there is a sense of Aguero's not been there for. I mean, don't quote me on this. He, I, I think north of six seasons now. Um, close. I think more than that. I think he was there. Maybe even eight. Maybe even eight. This might be his like seventh season at City. He's thirty-one years old. Yeah. So like he, he's not. He's a really really good player. He's not young anymore. Um, and so I think there's an element of, you know, and this tends to happen with players as they get a little slower. They get a little bit, you know, more tired out and drawn out. Um, they sort of become a little bit more complacent. And so I think with Aguero. You know, you're looking at a guy who, I don't, do I think he's talented and deserves to start week in, week out? Maybe. Um, do I think he will this season? No. Um, I think City have to start planning and thinking about the future, and I think uh, Jesus may have, um, you know, every other game, they might be on every other game rotation, or Jesus might be the primary striker this season. So, um, fantasy owners out there, one of you, Aguero, I think you're panicking right now because there's clearly a riff right there. Um, and then I think, the, the other notion um, outside of the Aguero you know, role in, in City this season is that is the, the VAR decision at the end of that game. And I said this about VAR before. I said it last week on the pod, and I'll say it again. Um, it was a really devastating decision if you're a City fan, right? Um, and, but the ball went to Jesus, who scored, after coming off Laporte's hand. And... Although, yes, it seems really harsh, and although, yes, it's intense, and yes, they celebrated and the review called it back, like, it was the right call by the rules. Like, by the rules that they have in place, the right call was made. And, again, going back to what I said last week, like, if you're making the right call week over week, eventually the complacency and eventually the frustration is just going gonna, it's, it's gonna to dissipate. Now... If you're a City fan, you just came off the man, the the West Ham game where you had a few goals disallowed, and then you go to Spurs and you have a you know an end of end of game goal disallowed, and the same thing happened to you last season in the Champions League. Like, yeah, if you're a City fan, like you feel hard done to, but I mean, I, I have no sympathy for you. You've won the Premier League two seasons in a row. Like, you know, don't look to me to feel bad for you. Um, if you're a City fan, say, oh, you know, calls calls are going our way. Like, you're in a good spot. You'll you'll be okay. You know, you'll you'll fight through it and win something else. So, um, I don't know. I I I think the calls, again, going back to my point about VAR, I think, and I also think like there's like an added element of drama when a goal is allowed and then called back and disallowed. Like, it's kind of like I don't know. It's like a murder happens in a movie and then they go and like and then they show the, the person who was supposed to be killed like two scenes later and they're still alive and you're like, oh my God, they didn't actually die. Like, this is crazy. It's almost like crazier when VAR, like like a crazy moment like that happens and VAR calls out. There's like a second wave of, of viewership that is intense and like the second wave of emotions of questions. So maybe it is good for viewers. I don't know. I couldn't disagree more. It's an interesting hill to die on for you there. Before I forget, this is actually Aguero's ninth season. I just wanted to correct that because I was pretty far off. Uh, ninth season. At City, okay, but, I said eight, uh, but... Yeah, well, I said six or seven, so that's why I wanted to correct because I, I, Garrett Colmass will probably be texting me in the morning. <laughs> um, but anyway, like that's I think that's frankly idiotic to say that football, the entertaining's more, or decision's more entertaining to watch because 
we get to see uh, video replay, and then they, the whole thing gets changed. I mean, sure, like, they just changed the handball rule this year anyway. So that's already another thing too. I, but like, I, I don't. I, I think I don't know. I don't know. More entertaining is like is the right expression. I just think there is something something to be said for think about American football and think about the challenge rule, right? Think about when like when you're with your friends, you're at you know you're watching football on a Sunday, and then someone challenges a play, and then you all sit there and you all give your take on like, oh no, it's a catch. Oh no, it's incomplete. Oh, it's a catch. Oh no, it's incomplete. Um, the challenge happens like once a game. Football, American football is already so slow because it's already broken up. There's like 10 seconds of action for every two minutes of non-action. So it's already naturally a, a sport that there's a million stops every game. That's the one thing that football has, or, you know, soccer or whatever has different, is that it never stops. It's flowing and it just disrupts the flow of it. And I don't like the, the amount of stops in uh, American football. Like... The challenge happens once or twice, but they review like everything, and it gets old. Like I think that's a big complaint a lot of a lot of viewers have. It's like, uh, oh my god, another review, another review, another review. Like, I don't think people really like that. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Agreed. I mean, am, am, am I thrilled as a viewer about VAR? No. Like, you just compare it to a movie with murders that are exciting. <laughs> well, I, I just think, like I, like, I just think it's here to stay, and I think that it's the future of the game, and I think that I have to come to terms with it as a viewer, and I have to be relatively optimistic about the outtakes, because do I think there's a, a universe where VAR, like, like what are we going to do, take VAR away after two years of having it? No. It, like, it's it's never going to leave, right? Like, it's well, they need to improve it. Agreed. Agreed. Right. I think. I think the feedback, like we talked about, is being more seamless, being quicker, and creating less disruption. But uh, I think, in principle, the like the encouraging thing about it is it is getting the calls right, and I can't say that enough. I know, you know, I know it disrupts the play, and I know it's not fun to see as a viewer. I'm trying to like, you know, put some take on the pauses to be like, oh, you know, is it a catch? I don't know. Like, I I know that's not fun as a viewer, but like, it's also like. You know, it adds a different element to the game that hasn't been there. Uh, but I do, I am encouraged because going back to that call with Laporte, like it hit his hand, and like if I'm the team that gets scored on, you know, if I'm it hit his arm, but it also hit the defender's arm too at the same time. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. She watched the play. It hit both their arms. Yeah, I watched. I watched. Yeah, I watched the lowdown. Right, but that's that's not the question. We're not trying to compare calls to last season. Like, like I don't know why people are getting lost in this realm of debate of like, oh, well, this was a foul last season and isn't this season. It's like, well, what, what there's rule changes. So like, like what's the fucking point well, of rule changes? My point, if my point is that there's stupid rule changes. I, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. That I mean, that may be the, that may be the case. But you can't say like, oh, well, you know, this wouldn't have been a foul last season. It's like, well, okay, cool. Like there are rule changes. So if you disagree with the rule change, then sure, like that's, that's a whole other. I'm saying I can say that. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been called last season because the rule change is there, and I think it's a dumb rule change. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. I think there's improvement definitely to be made around the, the rule changes, and um, you know, I like I like the playing out of the back. I like the the goal kick rule change, but along handballs, it has been has been tense and it has been heavy early. And there's been you know we're two weeks into the season, there's been a lot of debate about it. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see if it cools off or or you know continues yeah. to spike throughout the, the year. Can't really start to get two goals this allowed from it. Anyway, let's let's move on. We wanted to talk really quickly about Burry. Uh, they're a hundred and thirty five year old club. My grandparents and, club. Um, My grandparents club. Yep. Um, so they're in a, a very bad situation financially. They were in a bad financial situation with the previous owner as well. 
the club got sold to current owner Steve Dale in December. He bought it for one pound. Uh, the reason why he got that deal is because they had massive debt that the, their owner couldn't pay. Steve Dale took it over, basically promising that he could. Now they are still in debt. They haven't been able to pay it. They've had to postpone their first five matches of the season. They also got kicked out of the EFL Cup. Um, and at this point, Steve Dale needs to prove that he can pay off the club's debts with financial documents by Friday at midnight, or they'll be expelled from the English Football League. And the word I keep seeing online is basically they're facing extinction as a club. So this isn't a Premier League team. This is obviously a huge story right now in England. And League it's two. Pretty, pretty crazy. They're in League One. League two. Uh, I, thought, I don't think that's correct, but anyway, um, regardless, it doesn't really matter because they're probably not going to get any league come Saturday. So, what are your thoughts? Um, a little bit difficult to swallow because, like I said, Burnley's my my grandparents' club. So, um, I've been to Bury a few times. Uh, you've been to Oldham, not not Bury, right, Chris? I've been to Oldham, not Bury. Not Bury. Um, yeah, Bury's uh, like kind of like a small uh, small pocket outside of Manchester. My family are Bury, Bury fans. Uh, my, my grandma's a Bury fan. My, my grandma's probably the biggest Bury fan I know. Um, it's really difficult. Like, I think that if you eradicate the grassroots, you know, grassroots teams, like, most people won't care. They're like, oh, you know, honestly, a lot of you listening to the podcast are probably like, oh, well, whatever, like, they go extinct. Um, I think that where it becomes kind of dangerous is thinking about, you know, these small these small teams that have so much historical value have been around for, Brewery's been around for, what, 130 plus years, Chris? Yeah, 135. Yeah, so, like, I mean, there's a lot of history there outside of Manchester, and a lot of people who have grown up following that team, a lot of people who have paid season tickets decade over decade over decade for that team. Um, And, you know, you you start to pull that away, and, you know, you start to get into the American realm of, oh, you said have a city, people want to follow, and you get into this, like, startup, team vibe um, and then all of a sudden kind of the spine and the fabric of English football is pulled away so I don't like it um, I wish I wish I could stay but at the same time like it's a biz- it is a business um, and so if they you know I mean if you're buying a club for one pound I mean like Steve Dale what are you like what are you doing like you're buying a club for one pound and, you, and then you find out you can't pay it off afterwards like either you uncovered some really really rotting dead bodies or why the hell did you buy the team for a pound in the first place you know well, the other thing that fans are uh, upset about is apparently he's been turning down offers for the club as well. So they're really confused. I don't know. Maybe they're like not legitimate offers or not people that could actually change it around. But yeah, they, they actually got promoted from League Two last year. So that's why maybe you got them mixed up. Oh, but they are in League One. Okay. Regardless. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, story that came out. A former director for the club. Her name is Choi Hart. Uh, her dad like was involved in the club for four or five decades. She's doing a protest. She changed her or handcuffed herself to a train bypass at the stadium. Um, Jesus. Like, there's a lot of it's a two hundred thousand basically person city, so it's not a small city, and this is the only club, so it's a really big deal. And like you know, businesses will probably fold, like pubs, restaurants, things from the ground if the club folds. So it's pretty devastating for the community. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, you don't want it to happen, but, um, I mean, Crystal Palace were really close to that, you know, 
six years ago. They almost went, or uh, yeah, n- n- nine years ago, like eight years ago, they almost went to administration uh, in the championship and got deducted points. And Brewery now have negative 12 points in League One. So, you know, like what are they going to do? Finish with like negative, you know, say they win 10 points this season, finish with negative two points. They might finish with negative points in, in England, which is just messed up. Yeah, but their supporters would still rather be in League Two than. Know, not be a club so we'll, yeah, we'll see we'll, we'll probably update that next week but it's not looking good they might not be a club for the next time you hear our voice so right anyway speaking of hearing uh, hearing Chris's voice um, we got trivia let's, let's bring it let's bring it I'm ready yeah you got a few um, so I like you know I, I was thinking a lot about Chris's trivia that he gave me last week and um, I just wanted to put on record that I was overall extremely disappointed with the lack of um thoughtfulness around some of the questions that, that were posed. So I want to get into something that I feel like is, uh, you know, football awareness will, will breed a little bit more, uh, more of a, you know, conversation, maybe some better answers. I'm looking at the 15 largest transfers, both in and out of England, this past window. Wait, okay. So in and out, like across Europe? Or in, in and just... out, in and out of England. So English teams either selling or buying players, okay? Just over the summer. Just over the summer, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, un, honestly, unlimited time, and I want to know how many of the fifteen you can get. Well, uh, I'm not gonna give you unlimited time. That's that's kind of stupid. I'll give you, maybe honestly, two minutes. I'll give you like a minute and a half. Minute, minute and a half. I'll give you a minute and a half to give me fifteen players, um, and you can. There's you know. There's no limit to your guesses. Okay. Okay. Cool. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Three, two, one, go. All right, Rodri. Yep. And Dumble. Yep. Um, Joel Winton. Yep. Let's see. Um. Uh, Tielemans. Yep. Um, McGuire. Yep. Juan Basaka. Yep. Um, You're about 30 seconds in, so you have a whole other minute. Okay. Um, oh, uh, Nicholas Pepe. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, now I'm starting to hit a little bit of a wall. Um, fifteen. Could would Wesley make that list? Nope. Nope. No. Okay. Well, no. We got a little bit of a threshold for the money, at least. Um. You get about forty seconds. Okay. Um. Stop making that noise with your mouth. What? Stop making that noise. Well, I'm. I'm it's my thinking noise. <laughs> um. I'm starting to plank. I there weren't that many moves in the top clubs. Keep in mind, I said in or out. Out. Um, got sold. Oh, Lukaku. Ten. Yep. Trippier. Nope. Five. Oh, So, good news is, to give you some credit, um, you did get Maguire, Pepe, Rodri, um, Ndombele, um, 
Wambasaka, Tielmans, Joel Linton, and that was it, right? That was eight. That's seven. I got Lukaku. Um, eight is Lukaku, yes. So I got him. Right. So you were missing seven players. Um, there are one, two, three, four players that entered England that you never got. Um, and one, two, uh, three, yeah, three players that uh, left England that you never got. Kieran Tierney for Arsenal? Nope. Sheesh, okay. Um... So the biggest one is one who went to Real Madrid that you should know. Oh, Hazard. Yes. He's just long gone out of my head at this point. Yeah, I right. basically just blocked Chelsea out because I was like, uh, the, the transfer ban. I didn't right. really think about them. And, uh, okay. you know, so that was, that was big, obvious. which is shocking given your Chelsea affinity that you have, you know? I don't have a Chelsea affinity, so it's not that shocking. Um, and then there's a, a Man City signed a outside defender who you didn't mention. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that he would... Um, I thought that he was less than Tierney. How much what was his fee? $74 million. What? Yeah, Yao Cancelo. Oh, Cancelo. Yeah. I, for, I forgot about him. Okay. Right. So they they bought him for $74 million. Um, so at this point, you're looking at, for most expensive, leaving and entering England, you've Hazard is one, Maguire is two, Pepe is three, uh, Rodri is four, Lukaku is five, Cancelo is six, Ndombele is seven, Wambasak is eight, Tielemans is nine. Number ten is another Chelsea player. Not Pulisic, right? Nope. Okay. Um, Who else could? Left? Nope. Who else could they buy with the transfer ban? It was kind of tricky. Oh, um, Kovacic. Yes. So Kovacic. That was tricky. They actually bought for fifty-one million. I didn't think about that. That was, that was kind of a, an asterisk one, but okay, I get it. Yep. Uh, Joel, Joel 11 uh, and 12. Uh, 12 and 13 are two strikers who came into the Premier League. One, uh, yeah, one plays for West Ham, one plays for Wolves. Um, okay. Nick, uh, Haller and uh, Raul Jimenez. Yes. Yep. So some of the loan to buy signings kind of trip you up a little bit, but yeah. um, Hilaire, yes, came to West Ham for forty-five million. Jimenez came to Wolves for forty-three million dollars, and then the la- uh, the last two, um, uh, the right back who left Manchester City for Yao Cancelo, um, and signed for Juventus. He basically went the opposite way for the Yao Cancelo deal. Right back. Yeah. It's Denio. Oh yeah, I, was, I he played on the left a little bit last year too. But he yeah, did. Okay. Yeah, he did. Um, and then fifteen stayed in England, left Newcastle to go to Leicester. Left. Oh, I was impressed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot, a lot of big names there, and you know, I was kind of thinking about this. Uh, I think I had some guys that were just outside the top fifteen too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, there's some players up there, too, who are pretty high. Like, you got Moise Keane, uh, Cesson Young, Saliba, uh, Saar, Fornals, Kieran Tierney is at 23, Arnautovic leaving was big. So, uh, like, it made me, you know, I was looking, I was thinking about this past summer. I was like, damn, this summer, like, wasn't that crazy? And then I look at this list. Like, there's a lot of money going in and out of England. Um, so, I was a good refresher on that point. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't think I did too badly. I'm not that mad about that. No, I mean, I, I was kind of doing my math. I don't know if you actually got 7, 8, but you're like half, ha- halfway on the 15. You might have gotten 7. I might, might have I given didn't. you too many. We just counted them. Yeah, all right. Well, one. let's go to the, go to the predictor app. Um, we're looking at first week, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Who do you got? Um, yeah, this one I got United 2-1. I think Palace finally get their first goal of the season. Who scores it? Who scores for Palace? Yeah. Gotta be Wolf. No way. Actually, more likely it's probably the Camilla boy that should be a penalty, but um, either way, I think that United will win this one, but I, I think that it'll be a little bit closer than expected, mainly because Palace played really well on the road, and they're, they're bound to score eventually, so I'm going 2-1. Uh, very optimistic approach. So, um, I mean, last optimistic to lose, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, optimistic the fact they'll they'll score, and you you said Palace played well on the road, and they just lost one 0 to Sheffield United last weekend. So generally, um, last season they're one of the best teams on the road. Right. Uh, I'm gonna go Manchester United to win two 0 against Palace. I think Palace are um, in 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 a bad place right now, and I think that they're gonna be in a bad place for a while. So. I, you know, all blood and hope is, you know, seeping from my face. 2 0 yeah, loss. Glad you're in a good mood. Yeah. Okay, um, Watford, West Ham. West Ham. Um, I'm going 2 2 in this one. Watford, the only other team that haven't scored besides Palace so far. Uh, I don't think either of these teams are very good defensively, but I also think they're pretty evenly matched, so I'm going 2 2. Yeah. So, to your point, yeah, Watford haven't scored a bunch of goals yet. Um, I do think. They haven't scored any. Right. Um, or a bunch. Uh, I think that. True. Uh, West Ham I actually like West Ham's team and I, I keep finding ways and reasons to be excited about them um, but every time they let me down so I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw here similar to you I think it's going to kind of end up in a tie but uh, I'll go 1-1 not as optimistic about four goals I'll go two goals between the two alright cool uh, how do you feel about the next one Liverpool at home to Arsenal so Liverpool at home to Arsenal I've got Liverpool winning 3-1 I think it, it's very very difficult to go to Anfield and, and, and sneak out points I think Arsenal will be gritty uh, they'll maybe snatch a goal it might go to 1-1 early and then Liverpool will pull away yeah I think Liverpool are unbeaten in their last 39 matches at home I'm pretty sure uh, predicting that to change I'm going Arsenal 2-1 wow. um, actually I think Liverpool are a lot better than Arsenal are um, but I think Arsenal are coming out the gates really really hot here Liverpool despite winning their first two matches I think have been a little bit shaky against uh, two not great teams in Norwich and Southampton and um, the combination of Lacazette and Aubameyang is just lethal going forward I think they're going to pull off a little bit of a surprise here and win 2-1 take the top of the table wow it's like the combination pizza and Taco Bell shout out to McConnell um all right, fair. I actually kind of like that take because I, I do agree with the fact that Liverpool have been, you know, shaky over the first two games. It's just, you know, I, I, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm of the belief that when the opposition gets harder, they'll play better. But you know, I, you know, why should I believe that? I, I, I do like your take, and I agree with your point. They've been poor over the first two weeks. Um, that brings us to Bournemouth, Man City. I think this game is just screaming goals. I think it's going to be goal palooza. I've got Man City winning four one. Yeah, I don't see City dropping any points here after uh, drawing against Spurs last week. I'm going 3-0 City. I think they'll be a, a pretty dominant performance for them. Right. I'm looking for, like, Calum Wilson to, you know, nick one off a goal kick or something like that, or, um, you know, maybe Jefferson Lerm to score from range. But, yeah, that, that's that's going to be 4-1. It's going to be a big game. Um, and you kind of went similarly with Tottenham-Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I think that both these teams are going to come out the gates uh, firing this week. I'm going 4-0 Tottenham at home against Newcastle feeling really really good about that one and 
that's all I really have to say. I don't know. I mean, I, I expect Spurs <laughs> to dominate that one. Yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I think I, I'm kind of going, you know, you were saying you think Man City are going to take some points against Bournemouth or take all the points against Bournemouth because of how poorly they played last week. I'm kind of going the similar train of thought, but in the opposite direction um, with Spurs. I think Spurs are going to be feeling really good after drawing City. That You know, it's 2-2. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're at home. They're kind of like, you know, relaxing on the back of their boots a little bit. Um, that being said, I still pick them to win 2-1, but this is against a Newcastle team that is not good. Um, they just lost 3-0 to Norwich. Steve Bruce said for Newcastle midweek, oh, I really hope we can go nick a point away at Norwich. Um, so I think Newcastle are, I think Newcastle are fucked. I think they're going down. I think they have a negative manager. I don't think they... Um, they're a well-run club. I think, yeah, I think they're in a really, really bad spot. I think fans are going to turn on them quickly. So, you know, do I think it's going to be a close game because of the circumstances? Yeah, I think it'll be 2-1 and, and Spurs will pull it out. But, I, you know, I'm not as confident as you are. But I will give you the win on Spurs. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, before we head out here, should have done this at the top of the segment, but I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the top uh, three, at least, through Match Week 2 on the board here. Uh, third place, we have Spencer Sparky Bruns with 20 points. Spence. Second second place, we have your mother, Jane Ridgeway. Janae. Uh, always good when it comes to fantasy uh, type things. Love you, lo- love you, Mom. I get it from you. Get everything I know from she, you. She's at 22 points. Well, she actually submitted her team, so that's the first thing you should take out of her book, or submitted her picks. And then I'm actually in first place here uh, with 24 points. Anything to say about that? I mean, the thing is, when you're on the air with trivia, you know, you kind of choke under the pressure, but then when you can kind of hide behind your keyboard and, you know, submit some picks under your own time, you're shockingly more effective. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, well, um, I, I need to give you a head start anyway. I won the Fantasy Prem League last season, so I need to give you kind of a head start with this league, and I'll come back. I'm not worried about it. I mean, I'm in first place, and you go to trivia, which I just did pretty well in, and then you talk about last season's fantasy. So, I mean, it just goes to show kind of where your head's at. You couldn't even submit your picks for a week. But anyway, we'll give it a shout-out next week. Um, there was one person, a stranger here, that won $50,000 last week by getting all the games right. Yeah, he so did. I'm, I'm counting on someone in our league doing that this year. And if you guys do win... Rich and I get at least, like, 50% of the cut, for sure. Yeah, are you kidding? Like, if you win 50K, like, we, we get, like, 25 a pop, and then, you know, I don't know. Like, or sponsor the pod. Let's take out some ads, you know? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, to get into the league, we read it last week with the code is M as in Mary, D-E-Q-L-8. <laughs> and we'll tweet that out. And we actually just got an Instagram this week as well. So, follow us at just goes to show pod on Instagram. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at Goes to Show Pod. Yeah, um, we'd love to get some more uh, followers engagement there and get some more discussions going through this week. Uh, if anyone's in the Metro Detroit area and not working Friday afternoon and get off a little bit early, I will be at the Detroit City Clubhouse at wow. three o'clock to watch the Villa Everton match uh, with some other fans there as well. So I'd love to see some faces there too. Wow, there we go. We're going regional plug. So I guess I'll do my regional plug as well. I'll be at Fado uh, this weekend in Chicago, which is downtown in River North, watching watching a little bit of action. And naturally, might be AJ Hudson's on Sunday as well. So um, if you're trying to you know watch watch footy, whether it be for Villa or Palace or just talk to somebody who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about as opposed to like 80% of the wanks that are at the pub on the weekend um, you know talk to us just goes to show everybody's human um, that's all we got I think for this pod um, Chris any parting words uh, happy happy watching this weekend I don't know it wasn't really 
uh, too inspirational there. But, Happy uh, no, one. To, uh, <laughs> you stole my line. You already said it, so I don't know where to go at this point. All right, just, just goes to show. Sign off. Yeah, everybody's human. See ya. Bye. Bye.